0: Welcome to another episode of Modern Day Wizards. I'm Callum Lee, and today I'm joined by Joe Bandle, who is a man who I met on The Voice social media platform, and he calls himself the Last Rosicrucian. So we're going to get into what Rosicrucian is and why he calls himself the Last Rosicrucian and also kind of talk about his life journey and how he... The, basically, the path which you took, and um, all that good stuff. So, hi
1: Joe, thanks for coming on. Hi Colin, thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> so, I guess just start really simple. What is? We'll just start. What is Rosicrucian? What is Rosicrucianism? What does it mean to be a Rosicrucian?
1: Well, <clears throat> the rose, Rosicrucianism comes basic. There's a symbol of the rose and the cross. And that goes back probably to Egypt or whatever. And there's people who followed that symbolism and understood that symbolism because the the vertical aspect of the cross, for example, represents a a kind of a a masculine uh, pathway where the horizontal is more of the, the feminine. And in the middle is where the heart meets. So it, it typically is. It, it's there's two types of soul development, two types of soul growth, and originally it's where the heart meets. Mm-hmm. And if you look at uh, humanity today, the heart meet where the heart meets is the only place that people can meet because just everybody has access to their heart if they choose. And what is what is the significance of the heart? The heart's the center. It's it's if you if you take the spectrum of what life is, uh, from the photon from spiritual light down to the last possible element, which is it would be element one eighteen. They named it now, uh, but Between there, you're going to have your etheric world, your physical world, the lower emotional, upper emotional, your mental, your abstract mental or philosophical levels, and your archetypal or spiritual levels, and then a unity level. Okay. Now, people don't really realize this, but uh, the last possible element and I'm kind of going off on a tangent, so just forgive me a little bit. Back to it. Uh, the last possible element has 32 electrons, an outer electron ring. It is the heaviest, most complete atom or element, and it's a noble gas. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't do nothing. I mean, it's like it's not there. Stable like helium. We, yeah. We think of... Our world, we we think of the physical world as something you can hit, something you can touch. But the heaviest possible thing there is, you can't do any of that. Because it's in balance. Because it, it's, it's perfect. And I believe personally that, well, every, ad, every element ages, every at, atom ages ages. And what we think of as outer space and the void, if you will, is that complete atom. That comes. That that it is actually the the cosmic womb, if you will, from which everything life arose out of. Mm-hmm. The balance where there's no more.
0: There's no. Plus and you know, plus and minus are in balance. So there's not
1: more plus than negative, and in that yeah, case, it's as full can. as it. Can, it's as full as it can get. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. It's as full as it can get. There are no more elements after that, mm-hmm. but it contains within itself all the other possibilities. Mm-hmm. And that res- that corresponds actually with the feminine, with you know, the ovum or the egg or things like that. Mm-hmm. It contains and women are born with all the eggs that they will ever have throughout their life yeah whereas the photon up here is spiritual light is something totally different but they're both power sources they're they're both and and Previous to what's going on in Gaia today, Earth today, no one was ever able to bridge the span. They could choose to anchor to the lowest levels as magicians, or they could link to the higher levels as uh, mystics. Mm -hmm. Okay. And... Whether they were male or female, kind of determined, uh, like, uh, well, I might be this way or I might be that way, but mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Because I, I mean, obviously, yes, I yeah. you can any sex can be mystical or any sex can be magical. Mm-hmm. But again, you have the Rosicrucian, which is the the cross. Where they mix, where they match. So, is this center, which is
0: in the heart, you would say it's the balance between the
1: ultra male spiritual
0: and female. and the ultimate? Oh, yeah, male and female, but also in the other way of thinking of it, ultra spiritual and ultra like matter focused, yes, and materialistic. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Okay. And the Rosicrucians, if we go back to this, I've, I made a couple notes here that I can look at, but. uh, there's been mystery schools in the past, mystery schools that taught their secrets. But the reality, in my mind, the reality is what is, is. Mm-hmm. And people have discovered what is, followed those paths, and wrote about it or understood it in their own way. mm mm-hmm. Okay, in other words, we're all talking about the same thing, but words get in the way? hmm Okay. Um, so, traditionally, Rosicrucianism came about, well, here's, here's something in the 1600s. Michael Meyer called it a primordial to tradition that included the mysteries from the Egyptian, the Brahmanic which is India, Uh, the Ellusian Mysteries, Salmon Wraith Interest Interest, Mysteries, uh, the Magi of Persia, Pythagoreanism, and Arabian thought, and uh, Platonism or or Neoplatonism. Mm -hmm. So, which involved the Greeks, the Greek thinking and and stuff like that. So... So so, so there, yeah, there was a, a merging, if you will, a merging of, of what was recognized as a spiritual thought at the time. And, and I'll add to that, they included at and we're talking about the Rosicrucians who lived in the 16th and 17th century when it became public for the first time, we're not talking about today. Mm-hmm. All right, because uh, we're talking about uh, elements of the Kabbalah, Hermeticism, alchemy, uh, and Christian mysticism. All of those kind of went together. Uh, they, kind of, they came out of different elements, but they basically traced themselves back to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Egypt and Thoth or Jehudi or uh, Hermes was the Greek slant on it, the emerald tablets, things like that. So, so it sounds sounds like Rosicrucianism was
0: formed, you know, several hundred years ago, but it is sort of also a continuation of an effort to acquire knowledge about truth, which included spiritual things in the soul, and to form a brotherhood of source, which... Encouraged individuals to go along that path. Is that, is that right?
1: Right. Yes, and it's uniquely Western. In other words, the Rosicrucians were the big hitters, the heavy hitters, or the the big secret society, if you will, in the, the 1600s, 1700s. Um, some believe, well, there's uh, that Martin Luther. Was actually one of the, a founder of the Rosicrucian Order, and he's the one who started the Protestant Church. He started right? the Protestant Church, mm-hmm. and over in England, about a half, about fifty years later or whatever. Yes, Sir Francis Bacon, who was the Imperator of the, imper- first Imperator of the so-called modern Rosicrucian movement,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. A lot of his grouping ended up belonging to the Royal Society of Sci- Science Society or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, John D. You know, Doctor John D. and uh, Isaac Newton, all of those those kind of things. In, in fact, Sir Francis Bacon originated what's considered the scientific method. So what? In, in those times, and we're talking in the 1600s and 1700s, you're talking about something that was both spiritual and earth-based. Mm. It was really trying to be objective as opposed to being a purely mystical path. Mm-hmm. It was trying to be spiritual while you're living on earth, and including a lot of the healing arts. Spiritual while
0: living on earth without... Rejecting the unique qualities of physical life and actually embracing that as.
1: Embr- not only embracing them, but using them through the process of alchemy, mm-hmm. which was hidden actually representing a, really a lot of uh, relationship, the dynamic, energetic dynamics between love relationships and tantra, things mm-hmm. like that. mm mm-hmm.
0: And, and you're not talking about, like, um, when you're, we're talking about love relationships, we're not talking necessarily about, um, I don't know, how would you say it? It's just like orgies and stuff like that. But, but more no. of a, even sex isn't, isn't even a requirement for this type of dynamic. what What you're
1: talking about, actually, is, there's a very strong distinction between what you would call collective energy, which is kind of muddy Mm-hmm. And an energy where you share with another person that's kind of on a soul level. Mm-hmm. In other words, very selective. It's it's it doesn't include, can't include anybody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and this is something which develops the soul. The, it develops the soul because if you fall in love, or if you're in love or whatever. In that process of learning about each other, you're growing because you share an energy with the other person, and that energy is something that you need to help you to grow. And commonly, there reaches a point where you no longer need what they have because you've got it already. And at that time, a lot of times, the relationship will end. So serial monogamy sounds like it's kind of, that's kind of a kind of what it is in a way. It's kind of a s- strange way of looking at it, but yes. <laughs> I, I mean, people. I think people. If people understood the process and what's going on, yes. Yeah, it's a natural development to. In, in another way, you learn. I, I mean, we don't know how to. We, come, we don't come with instruction manuals and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we just gradually learn, and we learn from each other. Yeah. So back back. I want to go back to
0: the heart thing for a minute. So we have kind of like the intellectual way of saying, oh, it's the merging of the hyper-spiritual and the materialistic dimensions and balancing that and learning and growing from that. But what is what is the actual, as a being with a self, what is the experience of the heart, and how, how? What is what is that like living or acting from that on a daily basis? How does that change your life or how you behave and all this type of stuff?
1: Okay, and this is going to kind of go back. I'm uh, kind of rambling a little bit, but if you think back several centuries, or a thousand years, or two thousand years, or whatever, life was hard. Mm. And you didn't have a lot of philosophers going around. And you didn't have people, I mean, 200 years ago, you didn't even have people that knew how to read. Okay. Uh, In fact, movements and brotherhoods and whatever, things like masonry, Freemasonry or things like that, were, were schools that offered philosophical thought are phil- philosophical instructions to people that couldn't read. Mm. So you have to place yourself in a world where not only is there no schools, is there no education, but it's just a struggle for survival. And what where would a person's awareness dwell? Because where your point of awareness normally is depends on your spiritual development, if you will, okay And if you were most of the most of the hours of the day, if you were focused on where the next bit of food was coming from, you wouldn't be thinking you wouldn't be thinking very smart I mean, up here, you wouldn't even be thinking with your heart, right? You'd be thinking down with, with your belly. Yep. Okay. And that's where most people were. Realistically speaking, even if we go back 200 years ago, but you go back a 1,000 years or 2,000 years, and they were not even up to their heart. And so your question was, well, where's the heart? What's the heart at? Well, most people hadn't even gotten to the heart yet. They were stuck in the survival mode. and there's only a handful of people that actually got up to the heart level, or got even higher into the philosophical levels, which they thought were like godly, if you will. So the heart is where the sense of self comes from. Mm-hmm. it's where your core your your ego your sense of self-esteem the heart the heart level is typically it's like the upper emotional level there's a lot of love there's a lot of and it's just barely touching upon the mental type of stuff so it's most it's still a feel it's mostly a feeling place mm-hmm but it's, it's it's actually where you're you're outside yourself a little bit. You're able, uh, but the heart that's that's where all of a sudden awareness of self as an individual is is coming into play for the first time. Is there's a lot of people I've known some. You probably will know some uh, that don't even have a strong sense of self. They. They don't even get embarrassed when they do something stupid because they're just kind of, they don't have a, I have a dog that can feel guilty. Mm -hmm. I used to have a dog. She died. I'm sorry. But there are people who can do things and they don't even feel guilty. And why don't they feel guilty? Because they don't have a sense of self. Mm -hmm. So they're not even at that spot. And we're hitting a, I mean we we think, oh the world is is uh, filled with people that are highly evolved <laughs> there 's a lot of people that don 't think beyond the day they don 't think beyond what what goes on at work or they come home and what goes on at home
0: mm-hmm.
1: so they 're still in their emotions and they 're still identified. Exclude almost exclusively with their physical body. Mm-hmm. This movement with Rosicrucianism or any of these mystic- school, mystical or mystery schools was where they tried to identify with the soul, with something that existed as a sense of self that existed beyond the physical body. And it that usual that came about pretty much around 4000 BC with the beginning of the reading and writing mm-hmm. because for the first time when reading and writing happened the only way you could read or write was to create a picture of it in your mind and the only way you could create a picture of it in your mind was through imagination and you had to imagine yourself in there and you had to imagine other people in there and you had to create a world inside Mm -hmm. and that was really the beginning of the soul what people talked about the soul
0: the soul isn't something we innately have but it's something which which can be generated in the presence of beings who go through various processes And then it becomes permanent after, like, it's something which can persist after a body. If it's, once it's developed by a body, in the case of being in a situation where it can learn to read and write and therefore generate the idea of the sense of self, Mm -hmm. you're saying you can create then this persisting soul, this persisting sense of self, which lasts beyond this
1: body because it does not identify with the physical body. Hmm. Right. So the key element was to not identify with the physical body. And previous to that, what you would probably call a soul uh, was just kind of Well, it was of the lower. It was of emotional energies. It was of physical energies. It was of etheric energies. It didn't have a sense of self, and if it did have a sense of self, it didn't identify outside of the physical body. And that was the real problem. That's where, uh, if you take the Book of the Dead, the Tibetan book, Tibetan Book of the Dead, and the Egyptian Book of the Dead they talked about three gates that existed for the soul. So the first time they're talking about the soul, when they talked about the three gates, and one of them would be the gate of unity, where you just joined into the light. That was the highest. Mm -hmm. The second gate that was recognized was where a teacher would come. And you would join in. The teacher would be your savior or redeemer or whatever. Whether it's Jesus or or Muhammad or Buddha or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there was a teacher as a mediator. And the third gate was simply, I guess, what we would call your reincarnating ego. That the personality didn't survive physical death, but... A portion of of what you call your reincarnating ego did. Mm -hmm. And those three things were what was recognized in the various mystery schools because that that was the big thing. Mm -hmm. So that's a, it
0: sounds like Rosicrucianism is a, its goal is to bring people from the world of material towards the world of spiritual and doesn't maybe even necessarily talk much about going the other direction. Is that, is that right?
1: Or the coming back down? To- in a way that that is right in a way, but if we take, okay, the Rosicrucian order, a mark, which I joined back in when I was 19 and, was a member of for 22 years, studying their weekly monographs, things like that. And I rejoined recently. Uh, I'm an elder in that tradition. Um, They were very strong on objectivism philosophy. They... they, Ayn Rand could be, yes, she was pretty much an objectivist, but, and so by objectivist philosophy, and I took some class, college classes on different types of philosophy. Well, objectivism is very down to earth. You know, it's not like it's all in your head. It's not like, is that chair really there or it's not there? So uh, they're trying to be very, very And Sir Francis Bacon with the scientific method. They were trying to be very scientific. But ultimately, it was all kind of rushing into the head, going into the head, going into the head. Mm -hmm. And they, in my opinion, there's a big difference between Rosicrucianism of the 16th and 17th centuries and Rosicrucianism of today, which is a, has evolved into a purely mystical tradition as opposed to one that originated with the alchemists, originated with originated with a lot of the the earth the grounding, the grounding because life was hard and they needed they needed to have that. Mm-hmm. So it it adapted itself to kind of fit the needs of the time. Is that that right? Or you could say that what what exists today adapted itself to the needs of the time too, but it's pretty well forgotten. Hmm. Um, And the the Rosicrucianism the 1600s 1700s dominated I mean it was like the big secret society it was and they were the ones that uh, invented Freemasonry as a social experiment. Mm -hmm. There's
0: a lot of people who would say that at least Freemasonry has a lot of evil influence on the world. And I've I've even heard some people say the same about Rosicrucianism. How would you react to that? Well, in a world,
1: in a world where hardly anybody reads books, in a world where nobody really talks about philosophical things, You would go for a hundred miles to find somebody to talk to, mm-hmm. to talk with. Yep. Okay. Even if they even if their interests and their intents were different than yours. So what happens is certain groups, you could say Freemasonry, you could say the Rosicrucian Order, whatever, they had within them People that were drawn together because they were smart, because they they just wanted to talk about this stuff. And there were some bad apples in the pile, and there were some good apples in the pile. Mm-hmm. And they they rubbed shoulders side by side with things. And if you and this would deviate into Freemasonry, but if you talk about Freemasonry, you have the York Rite. And you have the Scottish Rite. The Scottish Rite is really involved in, in my opinion, a lot of the power grab type stuff or the manipulation of the the population. In other words, they teach like uh, the, po- the hammer is the power of the masses. The chisel is the tool that you use and... and the intelligence is the person who directs. So it's directly it's creating the narrative. Right. So you have the Scottish right is all pretty much all about creating the narrative, like we see in the mass media today. Hmm. The York right is really a spiritual and individual path. Hmm. So it sounds like
0: you can't really paint all of these organizations with the same brush. And even with an individual organization, you can't paint all the individuals. Absolutely, absolutely,
1: absolutely, because uh, they're, they're just linked together because they need people to talk to, I guess, or they used to that way. I mean, there was a point in time not that long ago when every town of, of any size at all had a Masonic Lodge. Mm-hmm. And what they were teaching was how people could be moral and upright. Okay, but there were abuses. In other words, because what happens was within these circles, you'd have more rarefied, more rarefied, and then you'd have the people that were kind of like up at the top that were really kind of, well, I say smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were just in their heart. You know, they are just good heartfelt things, and then there are people that were really kind of scheming, if you will. Okay, so yeah, uh, but you're going to find that you find that in Christianity. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you know, you know, Christianity is that about religion or is that about politics? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you can find that. But anyway. Uh, Let's see. We we're talking about
0: talking the Rosa about, Cruz. Yeah, I mean, basically, this, I still feel like I have a a question. This kind of pulls us out of where we are currently, but like the the whole focusing on the heart again. There's the idea of it, which is intellectual, but then there's the actual doing it and living of it. And that's, and that's what I'm trying to understand the most here is what, how does someone go into this place? What is that like? And how does that influence how they then
1: see and act in the world? That's basically what you call walking the talk. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. because there's a big difference between, Talking and talking and talking and actually having to make a difference in your life. There's a big difference between somebody who goes to church on Sunday. Or let me put another way. There's a big difference between somebody who prays in the morning and says a prayer at night and somebody who actually understands what happens when you pray in the morning and when you pray at night when you're actually putting energy into something in the morning and at night. In other words, there's people who practice a spiritual path, and there's people who think about it. Yeah. Sounds like you're talking about gnosis. Right. Because gnosis is the experience that you have. And one of, the great, one of the things I've been very grateful about with the Rosicrucians and the teachings that I had over the years was they told me right up front, they said, don't believe what we're saying. They said, try it out. Yeah. Take your own experiences and kind of judge for yourself. And listen to the voice of your conscience. Listen to that still, small voice that's in your heart. Because that's where the Christ spirit is. And this is where it tied in with Christianity. Because it was about the, the voice of your conscience. Mm-hmm. Listening to a still small voice and not to an external authority. And that that whole concept of internal authority and external authority, that's where even the problem today lies. Because... <laughs> It was in the 1600s when the people that were in power uh, trying to, I don't want to say be be a conspiracy person, but the people that had the power and, and were manipulating everything and stuff and were ruling over everybody else, they liked that. And it was they did not want people to go around listening to their conscience. They did not want people going around and listening to what God was telling them because they wanted people to do what they said to do it. And so for the past 300 years, 400 years even or whatever, one of the most frightening things to these people the elite if you will that's in power is that people would actually follow their conscience people that, that would actually listen to their heart and, and that was and especially if that was tied to a, a sense of self sense of self esteem that was actually grounded in physical reality as opposed to being woo 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 way up here yeah. you know what I mean so, so they were really uh, it was a political. it was it was a dangerous that's why a lot of these societies groups the Rosicrucians included were highly secret mm-hmm. because they were persecuted big time' and yeah, we're and
0: talking we're start- about in the west we're starting to see that become a threat again, I feel like I mean with the beginning of the internet but i think we all kind of felt this this sense of okay we can pretty much talk about anything but uh, lately it feels like there's a lot of things that you can't talk about without risking actual physical harm in in certain in cer- c- certain circumstances and it seems like that's um i don't know almost getting worse but it, i like the idea of the Internal authority versus external authority. This is a an idea, you know, because you, you can't control someone who has, who's acting from their conscience, right? As someone who's going to be doing what is right, who knows what is the right thing to do. And um, these people want to get rid of that. And then, like, this is a common thing which I hear. I listen to a lot of, like, current events and stuff like that, and people are always talking about the problems that we're having right now. And kind of like, we need to fix this by going against the force which is causing this problem which mm-hmm. you know that's probably true to i don't know i don't know how much to a degree that's true but but the actual solution is kind of just stop giving your energy to that system resist it when it comes and tells you that you have to do whatever or else you know at that point then you have no choice but to be in conflict with it but to instead focus on finding that center point inside of yourself where you have that internal authority, you have that internal knowing. And as individuals do that, then, and that movement grows, the solution will arise out of that. So that's, that's kind of my feeling. How do you feel about that?
1: So absolutely true. What uh, the danger, the most dangerous thing that can, that's happening in today's society is to be pulled into drama Mm. because everywhere you look, people are trying to suck you into the drama, whether it's your family or whether it is your uh, politics or whether or your job, whatever it is, because they need the conflict. They need, they need to keep the spin going. They, they, and to step back and to distance yourself because that being pulled into drama is self-destructive. Yeah. When you're in a conflict with somebody else, especially in the energies of an ascended world, like we're in now, any conflict is going to be self-destructive. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh because you're hurting, you're hurting yourself when you're hurting somebody else. Yeah. And the answer is to find what your goal is, ignore all that drama, and go for the goal, which is essentially what you said.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, cause, and that's, that's the only thing that a person can do. And, and you will get to that goal. Because all these other things are, no, come over here. Put your money over here. Put your time over here. or We need your blood over here or, or whatever. Yep. And they're trying to prevent you from getting the energies, actually, trying to prevent you from getting to your goal. Mm-hmm. But the any of that drama and being pulled in, that is going to be self-destructive. It's going to take your energy away. Mm-hmm. Uh, because most traditionally, whether you're talking about spirituality or you're talking about magic or you're talking about any of these things, having enough energy is the whole issue. It's the whole problem. Mm -hmm. And so what do you see happening? You're getting drained. Let's take your life force. Use it over here. Mm -hmm. And the only The only solution, the only answer is to keep your life force and apply it in the direction of your true goal, whatever it is. Believing that that goal, when you achieve it, will be helpful to not only yourself, but to society and to the world itself, to the entire world. Mm -hmm. So it is that it is a win-win situation when you do that. So
0: you, you touched on something there, which I think is a really big deal. Uh, basically, you said what you do to someone else, you are actually doing to yourself. Now, I personally take that completely literally, as if, mm-hmm. if I punch you in the face, I am getting punched in the face. I am experiencing getting punched in the face, and I do not want that. So I won't do it. And that's like, for me, that's the reason for morality. I mean, we can talk about natural law and all these, you know, the ebb and flow and the seven hermetic principles and stuff like that. And all of that is true. But when it comes down to it, what I do to, to someone else, I am literally doing to myself. And I feel like that's a really scary thought. And it's hard for people to feel that. I mean, there's like a bubble. I don't, I don't actually feel your experience right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a theory even that you even have an
1: experience you see at a at a level at a deep level we all share a common soul we're all part of humanity because humanity is a body humanity is a soul humanity is a spirit and we are all a part of that whether we want to be or not Mm -hmm. and there's going to be muscles that go this way and muscles that go that way and both of them have in the working or the the duality of the working or whatever that's how you can function that's how you can hold things that's how you can run that's how you can do things we need the other person we need the other view Mm -hmm. but we it's not to destroy them if you think about this you can take whatever you believe. Your, your paradigm and to believe that you have to put it on a background you have to place it against some something because if it's all white it all blends into nothing and there's nothing there anyway mm-hmm. so there has to be a foreground and there has to be a background right yep somebody else has to maintain that background And if, if your viewpoint is distorted, that background is going to be distorted just as much. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you have to fight against each other, mm-hmm. which is that, that whole concept of duality, which duality has been considered good against evil, which is... One's got to battle the other to the end, to the finish. But that's wrong because there is another way of looking at duality, which is male and female, which means they embrace. And that's the Rosicrucian. That's the cross with the rose in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's It's the merging in a love or in an embrace, if you will, of the foreground and the background.
0: So the universe, and this goes back to hermetic principles again—the you know principles of rhythm and polarity and all this type of stuff. There will be two sides. In order for there to be anything, and this gets back to the very beginning of what we were talking about, um, to be to be anything, there has to be differentiation. Look and, at
1: vibration.
0: Yeah, vibration. And this, and this differentiation will—they will divide and they will recombine. And this recombining can be in conflict, or it can be an embrace. Right. So the issue, like the problem I have currently is like, does, does the dichotomy of evil and good, does that apply to evil and good as well? Because I mean, I can think of someone I care about getting raped Mm -hmm. versus someone I care about having deep, a deep lovemaking experience with another human being. And it's hard for me to say that that first one is necessary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, would you say that that type of evil is necessary in the world? If you think
1: about the voltage, and if you think about a force that's building and it's building and it's building and it's building and it has no place to go, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? A lightning bolt is going to strike a spark is going to jump that lightning bolt that spark is violent it is destructive but it needs to do it needs to bridge it needs to jump the gap because it's the only way Mm -hmm. if there was a better way for it to go that would be much better and typically what happens is something builds, something builds and something builds and something builds and something builds. And there's a resistance to it and a resistance to it and a resistance to it until something finally breaks. Some, something And that's violent. And it doesn't need to be that way. But the answer to your, a different, more direct answer to what you were talking about, uh, on some level, we know what's what. On some level, we know if somebody is lying to us. Mm -hmm. On some level, we know they know if we're lying to them. On some level, we know if we're in a dangerous place. And... That's a lot. A lot of times, well, I didn't see that coming, or I'm a total victim, or something like that. Mm-hmm. On some level, you were aware of the situation and allowed it to go to happen, mm-hmm. one way or another, for some purpose or other. Because no, there is no such thing as coincidence. And when you're looking at the d- dynamics between individuals and people, you have past life experiences, you have karmic readjustments that need to happen, things like that. Uh, all you can do. Well, let me put it. Let me put it this way. I took taekwondo. I'm not. I've got a purple belt anyway, but I, you know now I'm too old to do any of that. Do you know why? Before a match, you bow to the other person, but you keep your eyes on them, um, out of respect, but also an awareness that they could so you, know, you don't get kicked in the face. Yeah, that's that's why, because you don't get kicked in the face. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. you're res- you're basically saying you're responsible
0: for what happens to you, and there's kind of a traditional way of looking at it where, it, it, you know, you wouldn't say that this person was responsible for getting raped, but on another level, and perhaps maybe in the spiritual realms or realms which are harder to understand, um, there's a cause and effect which we have been involved in which led up to this situation, and so basically... Yeah. So-
1: Take responsibility. situation happened for some reason. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, chances are that it, it happened in the non-physical realms of some sort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, it happened because somebody wasn't properly taking care of themselves. Yeah. You know, they weren't being watchful as, as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no... <laughs> People that do violence to other people—something that's—it's really incredibly sad. But you know why they do that? You know, you know why the recidivism rate is so low, on why people who are predators pretty much all their life continue to be predators? You know why that is? Because it works. You mean it works for them? It gets them what they're looking for? It works for. for them. It works. It works for them. And they're like, well, why should I try any other way? Because this way it works. And we have to be in a world where it doesn't work. And the only way to do that is to kind of like be a patriot type. Of, and It's, it's to yeah. fight. To, to be able to defend our, ourselves and to defend our loved ones. Uh, we can say we're all part of the human body and things like that, but there's disease in the human body. There's some of these, uh, what is in nature, what's the role of the predator? It's to, they, don't prey on the, uh, they don't prey on the people that can take care of themselves. They prey on the the victims, the people that stand out as as victims for some reason or another. And the question is, why are they victims? Why do they want to be? Which brings up the the whole point of self-esteem and ego. Why in the hell does our world, we understand how important self-esteem is and ego is so why the hell is our society doing everything it can to prevent us from having a good sense of self a good ego they're saying don't trust yourself trust the experts trust trust the external authority don't trust the internal authority okay so so there's a i mean it, that's a, it's a question to bring up why we, under, we understand the importance of self-esteem and, and ego strength. Uh, mental and mental health, emotional health, if you take people that are like schizophrenic or something like that, in one minute they're thinking they're like Jesus and the next minute they're thinking like they're the devil. Mm-hmm. We all have that Jesus aspect, we all have that devil aspect inside us. Mm-hmm. But we don't let one dominate and the other one dominate because we kind of, we kind of like to have an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. Well, we're in the middle, and that's what ego is. That's what a sense of self is, and that's the, the role of the ego. That's the role of the sense of self. And it freaks me out when you have these people saying you got to destroy every sense of self that you have. You got to think for the group. You got to be uh, groupy. Yep. You you got to be uh, uh, part of the collective here. Yep. You, you, you know you got to say the same thoughts and think this or say the same things, believe the same things. Yep. That is creepy because that's. Yeah raw That goes against any valid spiritual tradition that I know of that's truly valid.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of uh, Buddhist folk, and um, they kind of have that perspective. I mean, I wouldn't say they really understand what Buddhism is actually talking about, but they, the general idea of Buddhism is this uh, anti-ego type thing, and those people tend to be the type of people who say no one should have guns Everyone should get the vaccine. Everyone needs to be wearing a mask. And it's just like, reason, reason, it it doesn't even, we're not even going to have a conversation about it, right? We're not going to talk about evidence or anything like that. It's just completely 100% for the collective. And you even talk about like soul groups, which I really want to talk to you about in the future. I mean, it's too big of a subject to bring up right now, but you talk about, I think you call them a hive. You've talked, called them different things, but basically the atheistic um, collectivists and rational that,
1: atheists and social enforcers.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of again the dichotomy of the ultra spiritual to the point of rejecting phys- the physical world, to <clears throat> ultra physical to rejecting the spiritual.
1: Right, and they're uh, they're the ones that are in conflict really because they have not inter- they've not integrated. The two extremes of of their their, their own polarities. So let's let's uh, we're running out of time. I, I think
0: it'd be good to go really quick into that third group, the organic Gnostics, and kind of how. I mean, I don't know how much you think they tie to Rosicrucianism and stuff like that. But what is what do you mean when you're talking about the organic Gnostics?
1: Well, I believe the organic Gnostic, organic Gnosticism is the original spirituality the most primitive the most primal uh, and that at the heart of paganism at the heart of Wicca at the heart of Rosicrucianism at the heart of Buddhism at the heart of anything like that uh, it's going to boil down to that rosy cross the the blending of the, the male energy and the female energy mm-hmm. in the center to form a, a rose, mm-hmm. the rose of awareness, the rose of consciousness, or whatever.
0: It's almost like the Trinity, actually. it's You have the yes. one aspect, it's, the other aspect, and then the third aspect is the combination of the two. It's
1: called the law of the triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, and so, and it's organic, in other words it it's it ha, in a, it's in our life it happens whether we don't have to be educated we don't have to have anything but if we we have mothers and fathers and we're we're exchanging energy with those mothers and fathers okay if we have a boyfriend a girlfriend we're exchanging energy there and chances are the only reason that there's an energy exchange is because there's a polarity, there's a voltage, mm-hmm. you, you know, so it's, it's, it's natural to interact. We need the interaction, we need the energetic interaction with other people. However, the, the purest, the ones that are the most powerful have the most spark. And they tend to be with individuals mm-hmm. rather than in in, in groups. Mm-hmm. However, groups themselves also have a considerable wallet when it comes down to because down to it because they're all linked energetically together too. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on what polarity they have, but that's a totally different subject getting into any of that, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: I think we're running low on time. I I would like to, we didn't get to the point where we kind of talked about why you're the last Rosicrucian, but, uh, I'm just going to link to people to the playlist, to the first three videos, basically the first three videos that you started your whole series with. And that'll give them kind of the summary of what you mean by that. Also kind of a summary of your life, which I think is a really good example of, um, You know, at least part of your life is a good example of that. Moving towards the spiritual, and then you reach that Mm -hmm. point, and you have to go back. You know, we were on the mystical path, and then you had to go on the magical path, which was taking what you learned and
1: bringing it back down to earth. And And that's mainly why I I would say that because uh, the Rosicrucians, as as they exist today, do not represent that path of both following both. Gotcha. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So, um,
0: cool. I think I really want to talk to you again. I hope you'll come on again. Uh, this is really fun and I think will be informative for a lot of people. Rosicrucian, I kind of run in the, I don't know if you know who Mark Passio is, but you know, he talks about mystery schools and natural law and anarchy and all this type of stuff. And, um, people do refer to Rosicrucianism, but there's not really too many places where, I feel like people talk about it in a way where they're actually talking about it rather than just kind of talking, you know, book, book talking. And stuff. It's, you know, you know why?
1: Why? It's one of those things where how many, how many of us do you know personally? It's one of those things where they might read about, they might talk about, but do you know anybody that spent 20 years or 20, 30 right. years or, or no, you don't.
0: Right.
1: And that's the difference between walking the talk.
0: Yeah. And your videos, uh, you have a number of videos and you walk through kind of the history of humanity, more recent history, I'd say, you know, past uh, Jesus time. Maybe I think you talk a little bit about maybe Egyptian time and stuff like that. But there's so much good information in your videos. I went through and listened to all of them. I definitely recommend other people do the same. Uh, I host your videos on moderndaywizards.org. And I also have them all downloaded in case YouTube ever decides to delete you from the internet, so know know that you've got a backup plan. So I say people can go to YouTube. I think you're on Vimeo, actually, and
1: you're actually only putting your new videos on Vimeo. I'm putting them on on Vimeo, and and what I'm doing now is pretty much based on the etheric levels, which are totally different subject or whatever, but I think that that's what's active and what's needed in today's world.
0: Cool. And then you have a website. Uh, it's not Anarchist Banjo anymore. What What is the website? That's
1: anarchistbanjosworld.com. Okay, okay, cool. Are you an yeah. anarchist? Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> yep, yep, yep. In the sense of Max Stirner. You know, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> he, he, he wrote before Nietzsche did. Hmm. I'm uh, going to have to check him out. And... He basically, he developed a type of anarchism that's called individualistic anarchy, Mm -hmm. which is about the sense of self, the sense of ego and how that is so important, Mm -hmm. which I touched upon a little bit. Yep. It sounds like objectivism in a way, too. That that too, yeah. So it wasn't the sense of anarchy in the terms of throwing bricks at, at something right. like that. It That's was not even what the It was being. internal authority versus external authority. Right. And say, hey, nothing else counts.
0: Right. You, you know, I'm totally with you on that. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to next time. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Sure. Thank you.